Shut up and sit down. folks thank you so much for joining us here on another episode of cinema from the dark side podcast i'm your host uh patrick and i do have a special guest from last week's episode donovan donovan welcome back thanks for having me oh no problem buddy so uh this week is going to be a great episode because we are going to be talking about one of donovan's favorite movies blade runner yes blade runner (laughs) and uh then we're going to be doing the blade runner 2049 expectations like slash predictions type uh just going over what we want to see uh, in the new upcoming uh, Blade Runner film. So, as usual, our first thing is first is movie news. So, the first bit of movie news here, and Donovan has not heard any of these. I don't know if he'll be as excited about this as me. So, uh, James Gunn and the Hoff working on a Knight Rider reboot. Interesting. Interesting indeed. So they're not working on a movie. They're actually working on a TV series. Um, This is actually a quote from the Hoff. And he says, we're talking about doing a full-blown TV series, and we're working on the rights right now. And it really came out of my relationship with James and the fact that that he watched the show when he was eight years old. Jeez. (laughs) Makes you feel old. Feel old, huh? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I don't, I remember the most interesting part of, uh, Knight Rider for me obviously was Kit. Um, that was for everybody. That makes sense. Obviously. No one gave a shit about the That's what it was all about. (laughs) That's the new thing. Do you think it, uh, what do you think the car is going to be? (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, that was like I was waiting for your answer. Yeah, no, I, 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 I mean, in terms of modern cars, it has to be a modern car. Because well, no. when the show came out, that car was a modern car. I know, I know. Um, and they already did like a a reboot, like for one episode or something like that. Like a, yeah. they did like a reboot Knight Rider movie where they use like a Ford Mustang. I thought it was. But I feel like, you know, with, with what was cool about Knight Rider, it's got to be, like, something high-tech and cool. So what pops to mind to me is, like, a Tesla. But, <laughs> but I, don't, I don't see it happening. But, like, if, if I was going to make, like, be a budget, cool high-tech man. car, you know, it, it'd be something like that. But we'll see what, what, they, what, they, uh, what they come out with. What do, what do you think it'll be? I mean, now that you said Tesla, like, my original answer was going to be, like, a Camaro or something. Yeah. But, I mean, Tesla does sound like it would be perfect for Kit. But, I mean, you got to talk about budget, man. Yeah. Those things it, are expensive. Yeah, well, <laughs> for a TV show, it's a drop in the bucket. True. But it's, like, I don't know. At the same time, like, a Tesla is so different. That is true. Yeah. That is true. That would that would actually be pretty badass. I'm not going to lie. And... uh just side note here, um, because I'm really into Elon Musk and all the shit he's trying to do. Yeah. Did you hear about his plans for L.A.? The tunneling stuff? The tunneling, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Th- that is so fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, Elon Musk has plans to literally make tunnels underneath Los Angeles where you literally, I think, like, you park your car onto this platform this platform lowers down into these tunnels and like straps your car in so you're not moving and you move at like the speed of a fucking bullet train 
sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. So, all right. Next bit of movie news here, and this is going to be Star Wars. So, looks like Yoda and Boba Fett spinoffs are coming to Star Wars confirmed. Now, these were always rumored. This, these were never confirmed. So, it does look like um, that these are going to happen, along with, obviously, the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. Um, this is actually going to... This is actually what I'm about to read um, from a Hollywood reporter who has actually spoken to people at Disney. Um, she's quoted as saying, The Obi-Wan Kenobi standalone is one of the several projects being developed by Lucasfilm and Disney that fall outside the trilogies telling the saga of the Skywalker family. Han Solo movie is currently underway in the final stages of shooting under the new director of Ron Howard. Lucasfilm is also looking at movies featuring Yoda and bounty hunter Boba Fett, among others. So there's definitely more, more Star Wars movies coming out. So now that it's confirmed, Donovan... How do you feel about like the, the Yoda Boba Fett movies? I honestly Boba Fett really excites me. I think it's one that, you know, when when you had Disney come in and kind of say that the EU is no longer canon, um and 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 for anyone who's, you know, maybe not familiar with other um media of Star Wars to to get a really in-depth closer look at at where he comes from and and really, you know, from what you see of him a little bit in the 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 prequels right um and and a little you know more picture of uh of what makes him him right and and really you know beyond being really good at being a jedi and super old we don't know a ton about yoda right of course um speaking of which i won't judge you if you haven't watched it but have you bought or listened to our prequel episode i have not it's just us nothing but shitting on these movies yeah yeah we literally said nothing good about them um but mike had mentioned a joke from Patton oswald he did on one of his specials where basically he talks about um like if he went back in time and he met george lucas around 94 and he gets struck up a conversation about what george lucas is working on he's like oh i'm working on the prequel episodes right now well let me ask you, do you like Boba Fett? He was like, oh, yeah, I love Boba Fett. He's awesome. He's got that cool ship, Slave One. He's got the jetpack. Yeah, he's really cool. Well, you're on episode two. He's a kid, and his dad dies, and he's really sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought I'd throw that out there. All right. So that will be all. I mean, definitely I'm I'm excited for a Yoda movie. Um, mm-hmm. Boba Fett, I, I could take it or leave it, depending on how really? they – yeah, dude. He's. I mean, I give him props. He's. He's a smart bounty hunter. But other than that, that's all you really see. Yeah. You don't like. I'm. I, I guess I'm. I'm all about really good villains, and I feel true. like he's. He's a decent villain, but he was never really developed that much in the trilogy because there was never much focus on him. He was just kind of a background character. That's right, and, and that's I why think, I'm like I could take it or leave it. But yeah. I mean, I'm sure that I hope that they'll, they'll make it good. Yeah. We'll see how the Han Solo movie goes first. Yeah, yeah. I think if it's done right, it could be really cool. But at the same time, they could just, like, take a character with a ton of potential and, you know, make a blah movie out of it. Right. All right. And next bit of movie news. This is actually two articles. Uh, I'm just going to do all in one because they're very similar. So, Joker origin story in the works at Warner Bros. Suicide Squad's Jared Leto will not reprise the role. Uh, that's, that's interesting because Jared Leto is going to be involved in, still going to be involved in, you know, Suicide Squad 2. He's going to be involved in the Joker and Harley Quinn, uh, movie. 
So, I mean, he's definitely remaining in the DCEU universe, so I don't understand why they wouldn't have him in there. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, I don't understand. Uh, and the second article relating to this story, and this one literally just came out at the time of recording, just came out today, and it's Warner Bros. eyeing Leonardo DiCaprio for the Joker origin story. Jared Leto unhappy with studio plans. <laughs> First of all, isn't Jer- I, I think Jared Leto is older than Leonardo DiCaprio, but he fucking looks younger. Yeah. And so it's... I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Oh, man. And while I didn't like Jared Leto in Suicide Squad, I, I, I just didn't. Unfortunately, after Heath Ledger, I it's it's going to be very hard to top. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a pretty tough act to follow, I would say. Right. Definitely. And I fucking I don't know if did you watch Suicide Squad? No. Oh God. No, I I, I still haven't uh, built up the courage to go see. Just it. don't waste your time. All right. <laughs> let let me tell you what it is. It was his obviously you've seen like the 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 press photos before yeah. the movie was released. He has these awful fucking tattoos that are, they're, they're just shitty done tattoos. He has a metal grill. Yep. Which in the beginning, when I first saw that, I'm like, why the fuck does he have a metal grill? It turns out that Batman punched his teeth out. Yeah, that's fair. So I guess fine. I could accept that. But his laugh was not like any Joker laugh ever. It, and because he has this metal grill, he had a tattoo of his hand, of his, of his mouth on his hand. And he would cover his hand and go, uh, cover his uh, mouth with his uh, hand. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so stupid. Um, and I just all the part of it for me is like I heard all the bullshit <laughs> that he did like behind the scenes, and I was like, what? What kind of a dick does this kind of stuff? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I agree. I definitely agree. Um, Oh, God, I was about to make a point. Totally forgot. Anyway, moving on. Last bit of movie news here. So uh, I'm probably going to fuck up this name, but that's okay. Uh, Jordan Vaught Roberts promises the Metal Gear Solid movie will be, quote-unquote, punk rock. Hmm. Interesting here. So uh, looking over this article, uh, we have a a little uh, quote from the director that says, right now what we're trying to write is the craziest punk rock Kojima rock and roll, like holy shit, they're going to try and make that movie. This, uh, hold on, we're trying to make that movie that does this in in that many time periods. Like, it's special. I don't understand. This guy must be foreign because his English sucks. But looks like they're trying to t- take place for this movie in many different time periods. So I don't know if they're trying to do this movie throughout the whole Metal Gear Solid. like Just take like four decades of story. Right. And, you know, like Cloud Atlas it together where it's just jumping all over the place. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, I, don't, I don't know. Generally, in my experience, movie uh, movies based off video games don't work. Mm-hmm. The last one that came out, I believe, was Assassin's Creed. That was also a flop, and everyone was super excited for it. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, what would you like to see in the Metal Gear Solid? Because I know you like the Metal Gear Solid series. I am. I've, I've been a fan of the series since I bought the first one uh, for the PlayStation way back in my youth. Right. Um, I guess I... I 
I'd really like to see, you know, really bringing, make, making sure that, and, and I don't know how you would accomplish this, but really the stealth aspect and like the excitement of that, of being so close to, you know, being discovered and chased down and killed by a bunch of guys with guns. Right. Um, in film, because you, you're not just going to have like this overhead shot like you do in the video games. <laughs> no, <laughs> that would be, be, be so terrible. weird. <laughs> that would be so awkward. Yeah. Um, I mean... That, that that's the big thing for me is is that and then you know there there's just there there was this really interesting plot kind of throughout metal gear it's got so convoluted now but just yes i i think that there's there's enough material there that you could you know pick the pieces out to to make a decent story that'd be you know entertaining for the duration of a movie so kind of th- those two elements right all right yeah when i first played metal gear and I had just, before this episode, I showed you that parody video. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was the first game where I you had no choice but to be sneaky. There's games mm-hmm. that you can do, like, either or, or I'm going to run and gun and or be sneaky. Yep. No, you had no fucking choice. You yeah. had to be sneaky. Like, the first time that exclamation point popped above the guy's head after he saw my footprints, I'm like, what the fucking shit? So, do you think there will be exclamation points in the mo- in the movie? I hope not. I, I think they'll be able to, to show that, you know, somebody's attention, you know, is on the footprints or the person trying to sneak in and, you know, do whatever mission they're supposed to be doing. Fair enough. Fair I, enough. And, and now that I think about it, I also think, you know, there, there's the sprinkled in little humorous elements in the Metal Gear series. I think it'd be fun if they had that in the movie, too. Kept it just a little bit, not over the top. Fair. Fair enough. All right, guys, that wraps up for our movie news segment. Um, And now we're going on to our main topic, which is Blade Runner. All right, guys. So Blade Runner came out in 1982, directed by Ridley Scott. Uh, What were your first experiences like watching this movie, Donovan? So my dad was always a uh, a big sci-fi nerd. And this is one that I really didn't see when I was a kid. And I don't think I would have appreciated it, had I? No. Um... But it, but it's one that now you know, after seeing it, kind of more as an adult, um, just the the, um, the I think there's a lot of good uh, metaphors and symbolism and just the 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 way the movie is shot that with the lighting, and not just the lights but also like the smoke, and you know you can see there's particulate in the air. It really creates that you know volumetric light where it's not just light hitting a surface. It's really traveling through three dimensions right i agree um, and and you know the the really interesting you know they have a good topic because right. the whole movie is about you know life what is life mortality um it's yeah no just there there you've got all these really great elements for a science fiction story combined with just you know phenomenal execution and photography and and all the shots and everything right i agree when uh when i first saw blade runner i was like 13 mm-hmm. and it was when the final cut came out in 2003 um so i was either 12 or 13 depending on when it came out um but i don't think i appreciated it as much when i was 13 i mean i appreciated the the special effects for the time period because the special effects for the time period were fantastic coming off the heels of star wars um you know they were they were perfect but better than alien yeah. The first original Alien, that's for sure. Yep. Um, and I'm like, oh, shit. I, I think that's one of the first times that you see, like, the hologram 
uh, when I, when, not when you see, but when I first saw like holograms in the movie, you know, like that Asian woman on the billboard mm -hmm. um, as they're flying down. That was the first time I was introduced to like the, I, the idea of holograms. So I, I found that really cool. But yeah, I didn't really appreciate it. And uh, when it first came out, but, uh, you know, after rewatching it several, several times, yeah, there's a lot of like good symbolism going on in there. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry about that. So, when it comes to the storyline, obviously, um, there's a beginning crawl that tells mm -hmm. you, you know, um, there's these things called replicants, which is basically a, like a human android made to look exactly like a human, um, called the Nexus 6. So, that's the newest model of replicants. But they, after a while, they start gaining emotions and feelings. So that's why they only gave them a four-year lifespan. Mm -hmm. um, the first time I saw the, uh, the like in I, the test they call it, where they gauge a replicant's emotional response. Yeah, the the Voight-Kampff test. The Voight-Kampff test. Thank you. Um, it was super weird. I didn't quite get it in the beginning when I first when you first see this opening scene. I didn't get it until um, they go over the <clears throat> God damn, I can't articulate anything today. I didn't quite get what that test was for um, until Harrison Ford's character does it later on. Mm -hmm. So, but I mean, overall thoughts, you know, what are some of the, what are the, what are some of the uh, things you took away from Blade Runner um, favorite parts, things that could have been done better, you know, just mm -hmm. go over. Um, oh boy. Um, I think there's a lot of great, you know, we, we already touched a little bit on the symbolism and I think there's, you know, there's some quotes that are very, you know, that they, they apply to the immediate situation at hand, but they also have some, um, symbolism. I think one of the great examples, and I, and I actually pointed this out, I convinced my girlfriend to watch this movie with me for the first time yesterday. Um, I bet that was nerve-wracking. You're like, is she going to like it? Oh, no. Yeah, I was worried I built it up too much. So As, I really tried yes. to emphasize that the movie's 35 years old now. Um, <laughs> but when um, right after Harrison Ford retires, the, uh, the, the you see him retire a replicant for the first time. And I, also, I love the, you know, it's basically doublespeak. Right. Because you talk about, you know, retirement instead of um, killing. killing them. And, and as soon as Harrison Ford finds out that um, Rachel is a replicant and not a person. It, it goes from being she to him saying, how can it not know what it is? Right. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, I've seen it so many times you start to like really focus on the, like the, when I watched it with my girlfriend yesterday, I even picked up some more things cause I was so focused on, right. On, on seeing everything. Well, you knew you were coming on here. I did. Exactly. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, Leon, catches Harrison Ford. Yes. Um, he's, you know, the big strong one that's like, like nuclear warhead loading or whatever was Correct. what he was built for. Mm -hmm. Um, and this kind of goes back, you know, you mentioned the, um, you know, developing emotions and having this lifespan. Yes. And, um, he's about to, you know, kill Harrison Ford and he mm -hmm. says, wake up, it's time to die. Yeah. Um, and I just think about, you know, essentially the, the replicants are developing emotions. Right. They're really starting to understand themselves and, and wake up more like 
personally wake up as opposed to like waking up from sleeping. Right. But then it's time for them to die. <laughs> yeah. And um, and then at the end you really have, and I th- I think you know going from that quote, then you have Roy at the very end of the movie, mm-hmm. who has this you know, kind of revelation, where he actually saves Harrison Ford. Yes. Right. I mean, I say Harrison Ford, but I really mean Rick Deckard. Of course. Because um, <laughs> Harrison Ford, you know, you actually remember his name as an actor, but yeah, a lot of the other people. If you don't, if you're not familiar with, you know, Edward James Olmos, you wouldn't no. know who that is. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Roy saves Rick Deckard and, um, you know, he has this revelation and he's talking about all of his experiences are lost, like tears in the rain and that it's time to die. So right. he really has that moment where he wakes up, you know, he goes from this, this man who's a mastermind of these escaping replicants who slaughters people to escape this planet, to go back to Earth, to try to get more life. Right. To someone who's saving a human being, mm-hmm. you know, and and um, and having kind of a a moment of self awareness. Yeah, that that was a very powerful. When I first watched that, I did not get it at all. And he's talking about you know you know I've seen things that you can never comprehend, and he goes through all these like like lists of shit. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, that was a very powerful scene, um, you know. And speaking of like quotes and whatnot, when uh, Roy confronts Tyrell, mm-hmm. going through all these options to stop the aging process mm-hmm. to live longer than four years, Tyrell's telling him he can't do it. Tyrell says a quote that was very powerful when he says, uh, "You know, the brightest star only burns half as long." And you've burned so brightly, Roy. Right, exactly. <laughs> Way to finish that one up. But yeah, that that was a great, great scene. Mm-hmm. You know, for the longest time, you know, based on that uh, that test they do, um, I always forget the name. The void I'm, comp test. Void comp test. There you go. Void comp test. So, <laughs> for the longest time, um, when we we you did talk about Rick Deckard uh, the first time he actually killed a replicant, mm-hmm. and he. He looked so fucking, like, emotionally distressed. I thought for the longest time he was a replicant. Like, I thought mm-hmm. that was going to be, like, the big twist. Mm-hmm. But they didn't go down that road, and I'm glad they didn't. So, but, yeah, just the just just his emotional, like, he was, like, shaking. He was, like, nervous. I don't know why. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that part kind of threw me for a loop because I'm like, he's a fucking replicant. Like, well, uh it's actually interesting so the the um I, I i think it that's kind of a big piece of so the movie is based on the book do androids dream of electric sheep um and and really the the premise of that book is you know there's this character rick deckard he's a blade runner um and he's basically is and and i haven't read it i actually own it it's probably the next book i'm going to read after i finish up one or two of the ones I'm reading currently. Um, but basically it's, you know, the line starts to blur between replicants and humans. And he feels like he's killing people. And, you, I mean, you, you see that because they are developing emotions. Right. And they have self-awareness and, and, and they have feelings. Um, and, and it's hard to do that. And, and you see, you know, himself and Rachel after the, you know, the whole scene with Leon and they're, they're talking about how, you know, he gets the shakes pretty bad. And, and that was actually, um, 
you know, I, I think part of, you know, like why he, you know, has a drinking problem and all this stuff is like, mm-hmm. how, do, how do you deal with the fact that your job is to kill replicants, but replicants are basically human at that point? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. That's, that's so, that's, that's strange to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about this movie, and it, when I was a, when I was younger, puzzled me, and it still slightly puzzles me today. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Harrison Ford is the only actual, like, Blade Runner in that movie. The rest of the guys are just normal cops. Is that right? Except for the guy who gets shot in, like, one of the first scenes where he's doing the void comp test on Leon. Well, okay, yeah. But, yeah, Harrison Ford is a Blade Runner, and I believe the rest of the people, you know, um, Brian, his former boss, and, right. and Edward James, almost his character is um, is a cop but not a Blade Runner. Okay, it just seems like there should have been more like Blade Runners to develop mm-hmm. the Blade Runner, you know, um, story arc. You know, I, yeah. I felt like there should have been more, um, more Blade Runners around. Like, you know, even if it's something as simple as him calling another Blade Runner for a second opinion on, you know, whatever he finds or something like that. Yeah. Just to develop the story of the Blade Runner, because all you know about a Blade Runner, his job is to retire replicants. Sure. So that's that's all you know. So I found that kind of strange. Um, but another another part of this movie, this film, that when I was watching it um, originally, the scene where <laughs> that I forget what the hell is his name. The guy who has that aging. Uh, oh, J.F. Sebastian. J.F. Sebastian. Thank you, sir. Yes. The. They didn't really explain, and and I could be totally wrong because mm-hmm. I have not seen this movie as much as you. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really explain how he knew Tyrell, unless he like worked for him at some point. Yeah, so he's a genetic designer. Oh, okay, he's a genetic he designer like, for the replicants. Yeah, he had like all that creepy like <laughs> the midgets. midgets with like a bear's head <laughs> and like all the like weird stuff just like living in his gigantic apartment in the like abandoned building or whatever right so that was my understanding is that he worked um i'm assuming for tyrell corporation um and he was obviously personal friends with tyrell they played chess and stuff but i'm I'm guessing yeah he does okay because i think he said something about you know when he meets um that they, when know. he meets roy that he worked on you know his design Right. He said there's like some of my genetic code. Or there's some of me and you. Yeah, I think. exactly. Yeah. Which that was just a weird statement. <laughs> like, yeah. Or there's some of me and you that's like, oh, that sounds kind of rapey. <laughs> <laughs> it does. Yeah, a little bit. Oh, man. S- speaking of, this is something that came up um, when I was discussing this yesterday. We, we paused the movie. The, the, the scene where Harrison Ford rick deckard and rachel i know exactly where you're going with this we're like she's gonna like storm out and he doesn't let her and he just like pushes her against the wall and kisses her and like says now you kiss me (laughs) i'm just like this seems like he's just like forcing himself on her but then at the end of the movie they love each other right um i don't know if that's just kind of like a reflection of the times like when that movie was made and how women were portrayed compared to today tell me to kiss you but say kiss me yeah <laughs> it was so weird but i mean I, I i could see like over a traumatic experience and like you know something like that but it's like 
I, I don't know. That part, that, that, that was always, you know, maybe my least favorite scene in the movie. Can you imagine if there were, if there was YouTube back in that time, like in the total parody video of that scene? Oh, yeah. I could totally see that happening. It's like, <laughs> now tell me to take off your pants. <laughs> In in the in the porn parody of right. Blade Runner. Oh my god. <laughs> Blade Runner Triple X. Oh my god. There I mean, there's all kinds of places you could insert. I would not be surprised if that came out. Oh, I'm sure it is. What was it Rule Forty Two? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I kinda wanna Google Blade Runner Rule Forty Two now. Oh. I d I don't even like I want to, but at the same time I don't. Because I don't want to know what the fuck is no. gonna happen. No thanks. <laughs> you don't want it to ruin one of your favorite movies? No. No. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Oh, man. So, what else you got about this movie? I've been saying mainly, like, what I feel are flaws. Mm -hmm. Was there anything you did not like besides, besides that the, scene? the mildly rapey <laughs> kissing part. Right. Um, I guess, so... Um, one of the things, and I don't know that it's good or bad, but it's it's. I think it's good to see both. Is I recently for the first time watched the original theatrical version, right? Because I've only seen the final cut, and that's which... what I usually watch. Um, and I like the final cut better. But what's the, the the big difference I noticed is that you know in in Blade Runner, and when I say Blade Runner, really you know the final cut. There's a lot of time where there's no dialogue. There's no music. It's just kind of ambient, and you're observing the characters. Right. Um, in the th in the original theatrical version, um, Harrison Ford's narrating during a lot of that time. Oh, really? So there's lots of like little tidbits of information that you find out about. You know, you find out like Harrison Ford's divorced, and that he knows who Edward James almost is. And he understands what he's saying. Yeah. You know, it's like the, the language is like some, I forget what he called it, but it's, if I remember correctly, like a mix of like Japanese, Chinese, and German. And I forget what he calls it. It's like street speak or something, uh, you know, something like that. Um, but he just, you know, like kind of pretends not to know. And that like he knows that he's just like trying to get a promotion and he doesn't care about helping on the case. So then you see like Harrison Ford, you know, when they're looking in Leon's apartment. Mm -hmm. And Edward James almost is like making a stick man out of a match while Harrison Ford's actually like investigating. Yeah, the the origami in this movie, I did not get that. Like, yeah, yeah, and and actually, I have something going back to what something you had mentioned before that relates to the origami. I'll I'll bring okay. up after this. Um, but then the other one is like, um, you know, he he actually talks about like why would a replicant have pictures? You know, because right. like they don't have emotions and and this kind of stuff. So it's it's like he's starting to you know see more humanity in them and and just you know there there's there's some little stuff like that that it's it's interesting to watch once yeah i think but i like it better without the narration in the movie okay. it's just if you've never seen it before it's a little bit harder to follow that is very true cuz i mean i've quite honestly i've only seen this movie maybe 5 times yeah within the past i mean i'm when I first saw it, 13, and I'm now 26. So, I mean, not, I mean, 12 years. I, I suck at math. But whatever. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've only seen it um, a very uh, limited number of times because mm. I, it, it's one of those movies where 
if I haven't watched it in a while, I'll be like, oh, fuck yeah, Blade Runner, let's, let's fucking do it. And, but you know what's great? One thing, just in general, about this movie, if you've never seen Blade Runner, you... You don't know what it's about, but you've you heard of it, and you know it's Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's a movie that when I grew up, before I was even 13, before I watched the movie, I knew what it was. Mm-hmm. I just haven't seen it before. That's yeah. the power of this movie. Oh, and it's it's been so iconic for so long yeah. because the cinematography is just amazing, and I think it's a really well-executed science fiction story on top oh, of that. Definitely. It does not look like it's a movie that came up that was made in 1982. It no. definitely it looks like a 90s movie yeah. at least. Yeah. So, uh we had mentioned that the the origami thing, yeah. you know, making figures out of matchsticks, out of like tin foil, mm-hmm. you know, um outside Decker's apartment um, yep. at the end of the movie. What was that about? So earlier you had talked about how you thought that there was like maybe Deckard was a replicant, yes. but you're glad they didn't go that route. Right. So there's actually an interview out there somewhere, and I've seen it, where Ridley Scott talks about that. Okay. Um, Interested. Because, so so one of the interesting things is, and and you never really see anything about it, and I think you you really have to think deeply about it but there's like a point in the middle of the movie and this is one of the things that drove my girlfriend nuts <laughs> okay i can't was wait. harrison ford just has like a memory and you see a white horse a, a unicorn right okay yeah just like running through some like through a forest that was another thing that drove me to believe like okay he's a fucking replicant right so but he doesn't know it obviously right if he is and then at the end you have edward james almost leaves an origami unicorn outside of his apartment okay um and and you kind of see how edward james almost you know in terms of all the investigation and all the stuff just like takes a back seat and lets him do his thing right so when ridley scott like in this interview was basically saying like he's trying to like cast doubt that harrison ford is human that he might be a replicant okay so that's intentional then and that the unicorn is like an implanted memory like rachel has but Edward James almost knows about it. Hmm. So basically, like, you know, the way I see it is, like, maybe, you know, the police get um, the Tyrell Corporation to make replicants for them to help keep replicants off the streets. But they don't know they're replicants. Ooh. See, that's that's interesting. That That's actually... See, it, I was wondering if they were doing that on purpose or if it was, you know, just Harrison Ford just, you know, uh, being a drunk. Yeah. You know, <laughs> having dreams about unicorns and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that's actually pretty cool that you mentioned that, you know, it, that that was slightly intentional to have you cast out whether or not he is a replicant, um, which if that's true... And obviously, I mean, he's obviously living past four years because of Blade Runner 2049 coming right. out. Um, I'd be interested to see if they develop that anymore in the in the upcoming uh, film. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it will be um, because all the other replicants had a four year fail safe. So Correct. if they didn't have one for Harrison Ford or if they're like, no, he is human after all. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Um the girl that was uh, Rachel? Rachel? Rachel, yes. Yes. So Rachel, she was a replicant, and he's Tyrell basically tells Rick Deckard that, 
like right away. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he mention something about she's actually lived? She's past the four year thing. I don't think she. I don't, no, they don't say no? anything about how long she has. Okay. And she asks him later on when she goes back to his apartment when she follows him there. Uh-huh. Um. And um, she goes to talk to him because Tyrell wouldn't see her. Mm-hmm. And you know he tells her that she's a replicant and she has you know memories from one of his nieces, um, and that's you know where all of her memories come from. Right. Um. She asks him, you know, about the files, about you know what the longevity she has is. Right. You know, and he said and, they're and, classified. Incept date, and he's right. like they're classified. I didn't look at them. He didn't want to know. Right. That's interesting. Like, you would think, you know, towards the end of the movie, he is obviously developing feelings for this replicant. Yeah. Um, uh, weird, slightly rapey feelings, but feelings <laughs> nonetheless. <laughs> but you would think he would, like, he would want to know how much time he has long, you know, how much time he has left. I don't think I would if, if I was in that situation. Really? No. I think that goes back to... Uh, this would you rather that's always the hardest would you rather would would you rather know when you're gonna die or would you rather know how you're gonna die in all, in all honesty I wouldn't want to know either you have to know one that's the whole point I, of this, I would have you rather. to know you have to know would, that's would you rather bro <sighs> I can't just plug my ears and go la 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 no, la la no you have to know I guess how I'm gonna die really yeah I'd go when yeah, I'd go win for sure. You're you're not gonna try to defy your destiny. You can't defy it. It's gonna happen. I don't believe in destiny. So <laughs> points mute or moot. No, but I mean, I know we're slightly getting off track, but when I, knowing when I'm gonna die, it'd be like, oh, you're gonna die in 2056. I'm like, fuck yeah, I'm gonna make. I got some time. I'm gonna make the most of my life. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. When I'm gonna? I mean, how I'm gonna die? That just sounds like mm-hmm. I don't want to know. Like I don't want to know yeah. that at all. For me, it's like, I don't want to know when I'm going to die because I'm just going to anticipate it. And you should just, you know, if, if you know you've got, you know, four years tops, hmm. part of me is just like, you know, at that point, I'm just going to enjoy every day and not know when it's coming. Hmm. But Interesting. Hmm. Life philosophy. Indeed. Um, but back back to our Blade back Runner Blade discussion. Runner. Um. I think the whole the whole you know whether or not he's a replicant um, is is another another way that it's interesting is it goes back to kind of the theme is is what is life right because if he is a replicant you view him the entire time as a human as a life form right you know and and he's a character and you 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 know he's you, you start to understand him and feel for him but he's not. You know, if he is a replicant, at that point, do you just change how you feel about the character? Fair. You know, or, or you know, it, it, it's it's kind of this. You know, at, at that point, he's Damn, such a developed deep. character. He is, he is a person. Yeah, that's very true. Wow. So. I mean, obviously, we know now he does not have that four-year lifespan, but. If um, indeed he is a replicant, we'll, we'll, we'll find out in a month we'll, or we'll so. We'll find out together, folks. We'll, we'll we're taking this journey together. Um, you know, oh man, there's just as there's a point I was wanted to make because you said something that triggered it, and now it's gone. 
Sorry. I know. And now it's gone. <laughs> there, I keep wanting to jump in too, but I, I don't want to be a dick and interrupt you. That's completely okay. Well, my points are stupid. You're getting deep and philosophical, and I'm just like, I didn't like this part. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. One of the... Uh... Oh, damn it. I just remembered too. <laughs> okay, go, 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 go. <laughs> Sorry. Um, one thing we, we kind of forgot to, to discuss is that they, they slightly explain that all these replicants have uh, different attributes and different like things like mm-hmm. uh, Roy was very strong. Like he was made as a worker. Um, um, Leon. I'm sorry. Leon. Sorry. You're Roy's right. smart as fuck. Roy is this. Yeah, he's smart. <laughs> Leon is basically this like huge worker and he just beats the shit out of Decker. Yep. <laughs> which was just an hilarious scene. Um, some of these replicants are pleasure replicants. Yeah. Pris was like military. I think if you look closely on the screen, when uh, Brian is showing Deckard the um, the replicants that he's supposed to be hunting, it says like military slash rec- uh, leisure, <laughs> military leisure. <laughs> I, I I can see that, um, but <laughs> yeah. And the other one is like a political uh, assassination special. Like she was like designed for like assassination. Now explain to me. There was so they. They explained that they gave them a four-year lifespan, these replicants, mm-hmm. um, and they gave them all these ap- attributes for different uh, different jobs that they had off-world. Mm-hmm. Wo- off yep. Um, but they said they gave them this four-year lifespan because after four years, they start developing emotions and blah, 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 and that's their fail-safe. I think it was, if, if I remember the conversation correctly, it's, it's um, Brian, Deckard's old right. boss, explaining to him Correct. that... The designers thought that after a few years, they could start developing their own emotional responses. Oh, so they don't say after four years. No. Okay. They say that they could, they, they theorized that they could develop emotions. Okay. And, yep. So they, so they did the four, because I'm like, okay, if their emotions aren't supposed to develop till after four years, how mm-hmm. the fuck are these guys <laughs> developing emotions? Right. All right. So that, that explained that bit for me. So that's cool. Um, was there anything you thought could have been done better? Like in terms of it could be cinematography, it could be story, it could be anything. You've yeah. you've already kind of explained the differences between the final cut and the original version. Yep. Their narration, which I kind of want would want to see the narration mm-hmm. um at some point just so I can for my own leisure. But uh was there anything you thought could have been done better? Um I think that the the cinematography, I mean, especially for the time, was just Spot so on. revolutionary. Oh yeah, uh, they had done so many things that really hadn't been done, that at least that I'm aware of in, right. in cinema. Um, so I, I think that was really well done. You know, the way that so many of the scenes were shot and framed was spot on. Um, I think that it got a little bit confusing for some people, especially on the first time you watch it. Um, at the point where, um, Roy has killed J.F. Sebastian and Tyrell. Right. Um, which dick move, Roy. Yeah, which, that that's another really good scene I want to talk about, too, is Roy meeting his maker. Right. That was um, insane. But from, from that point where, you know, Deckard goes to J.F. Sebastian's apartment or whatever you would call where he lives right um he he goes there and essentially 
you know, is looking for somebody and he, you know, he calls ahead and talks to Pris and she hangs up when he claims to be an old friend of his or whatever. Right. Um, and he kills her and she's like freaking out and like, but there's like weird stuff. It's like she beats him up and then she runs down a hallway and starts doing like backwards somersaults towards him. And then she, he shoots her. Yeah. And then like the whole, like, uh, Roy just going like absolutely nuts. Yeah. And like howling like a wolf. And, and part of me is like, it's, it's like him. The, the way that I think about it in my head is like, it's him dealing with these like complex emotions that he doesn't have the experience to handle them. That's very true. Wow. But at the same time, like if you, if you haven't seen it a couple times, you're not going to pick up on it. You, you're just going to be like super confused and like, think it's like a horror movie. Cause like, he's like pushing a nail through his hand and like saying all that, like if, and like some of the stuff he says where he's like counting and like four or five, try to stay alive, six, seven, go to hell or go to heaven. And like right. running around like a weirdo and, that part was super weird. It was is. there a reason why he shoved a nail in his hand? Um, so I think they showed, you know, they, they showed him with his hand, like, cringing at the beginning of the movie like that, where he's, like, really, like, not making a fist, but, like, curling his fingers, and his hand right. looks really rigid, and he's saying something about... Um, not yet. Not enough life, or oh. something like that. And And he's doing this, and I think, you know, maybe it's, like, part of, like, the where he's getting close to dying and he's starting okay. to feel it because it happens again in his same hand. And the, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday and maybe it's like, um, he's starting to lose like function or feeling. So to make himself feel something, he's like pushing the nail through his hand and you see immediately after that, he's like punching himself in the leg and like trying <laughs> to get himself going again. Right. So I, I think that's, maybe what they're trying to indicate there is you know he's he's he knows he's at the end of his rope okay fair enough all right so he's trying to feel something yeah definitely yeah when i first saw when i first saw this movie and i knew it came out in 82 originally and i just thought the cinematography was fantastic i thought the world they had created was was beautiful Mm -hmm. um and yeah, uh, I have no qualms when it comes to cinematography. Maybe if I and my my main qualms are like just the kind of unanswered stuff. Like, where are the other Blade Runners? You know, why aren't there more more Blade Runners in this movie to develop the Blade Runner story arc? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just like very nitpicky things. But altogether, it's always an enjoyable movie to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely should probably check out the original version with the narration. Maybe that'll help bridge some of those gaps for me. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, altogether, it, it, it is a masterpiece. Like, And like I've mentioned before, you know, even if you've never seen this movie, you've heard of Blade Runner. Unless you... you- grew up under a very large rock right <laughs> but i mean you just hear blade runner and you're like oh i've heard of that movie yeah um but it's, it's a very good movie if you guys go watch it i highly recommend it before you see uh blade runner 2049 um because if you if you go on, i'm pretty sure if you go into that movie cold you're not going to know what the fuck is going on yeah you should probably watch that and the short films that are coming out to fill in the gaps between Correct. the movies so do you want to move into the the after Blade Runner? Um, do you want to move into our predictions, expectations, or do you, do you still have more points? I just wanted to 
touch on the scene where um is this a good favorite scene of yours another yeah okay another one of my favorites is when roy meets tyrell because it's again talking about the theme of mortality and and life and you know the really interesting experience which i don't think we can really ever have anything comparable of, no. of meeting your maker no and and actually having a discussion with him and um you know, understanding that he made you, but purposely not to last. That kind of seems like a an ongoing um, thing with Ridley Scott. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's done that in Prometheus, Alien Covenant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the interesting thing here, too, is, you know, Roy, and, and I think the, the metaphor here, I don't know if it, you know, but it's, it's I would say it's, it's almost like killing God, you know? Right. That's insane. Yeah, it's it's really. You're going to hell for thinking that, by the way. Whatever, I don't believe in hell, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I don't care. Um, um, no, that 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 one's just a really a really powerful scene as well. Definitely, that is a uh, great scene. It's so a fantastic scene. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I could totally be off my off the chain. Wasn't Blade Runner the movie? And I don't know how deep you are into this. The wasn't that the first movie that went into the um, uh, the skull crushing with bare hands? Wasn't that one of the first movies that actually did that? I don't know. I don't know enough about other movies where somebody crushes somebody else's skull with their bare hands. Because that uh, scene that was uh, that was one of the first times I've seen that where it's just like, oh shit, mm -hmm. that's gotta hurt. Yeah. But yeah, I, I it it has to be at least you know, either it has to be within the first 10 movies that did that. Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't think that that's something Ridley Scott would use if he had seen it in other movies. Right. But I think he really wanted to have Roy killing Tyrell with his bare hands, with what he was given by him. Right. Um, and it's just so, I mean, you see Roy's face during that too. Mm-hmm. And he's just, and again, I think it's a, it's a, you know, they talk about, you know, Rachel's this experiment where they couldn't handle their emotions. So they gave her memories as an experiment to, to see if that would help with, you know, with replicants being able to function with emotions. Right. And I think it's, you know, Roy, you know, he's not even four years old. Mm-hmm. And he's dealing with something as crazy as meeting, meeting God, right? And God telling him, "I purposely made you so that you would die. That He made you so that you're not supposed to last." Yeah, that's that's a very good point there. Um, now, do you want to go to Blade Runner twenty forty nine and everything afterwards? Yeah, yeah. All I right. figure you know we probably can't go on for another hour about Blade Runner as no. much as I want to. I know you do. I know you do really bad. Um, but, but with that, more Blade Runner. But more Blade Runner. <laughs> um, so I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but this Blade Runner actually takes place in 2019. Um, and it, so... So watch out. The replicants are coming. They're coming. We got two more years to go. I know. So um, now the new Blade Runner 2049, it was interesting to me that this was not being directed by Ridley Scott. 
He isn't an executive producer, he though. He is. So but he's involved, it's, which is It's good. just strange, though. Mm-hmm. But this new guy they have, and I can't pronounce his name. Yeah, me either. But uh, <laughs> this new guy that he has, he's he's directed some good movies. He's mm-hmm. directed Prisoners, which I don't know if you've seen that. It's really fucking good. Uh, he's directed Arrival. Yep. Um, you know, he, so he definitely has some notches in his directing belt, so to speak. Um, so, I mean, he he seems like, based off the trailer, he seems like he's taking the story in a really cool direction. Uh, but what's interesting, he's actually doing these short films, and we've slightly mentioned them before. Uh, the first of the three has dropped, and this takes place in 2036. Yeah, it takes place in 2036, and I think it's actually um, in the intro to the first one. Right. There's a little, you know, snippet of the director talking, and he basically says that um, to kind of fill in the gaps of some of the events that happened in that 30-year gap, he had other people um, actually make these short films. So somebody yeah. else directed this, this you know, little five-minute um, 2036 clip. Yeah, and it was so cool. So it seemed, from what I, from what I, I gleamed from this uh, tr- uh, little short film, it it looks like they're having a meeting on whether or not replicants can still be made. Um, whether or not they want to outlaw them uh, based off the incidents that happened in 2019, original Blade Runner. And Jared Leto's character, whose name I don't remember at the moment. Um, I want to say Wallace. Wallace, okay. Last name. Okay. That's Definitely a W. Pretty sure it's Wallace. Okay, we'll just go with it. Um, Wallace comes in, and Jared Leto's blind. Uh and he's being helped by a, what you find out is a replicant. And literally, the whole point of this is that Jared Leto saying, listen, I can make replicants better than Tyrell ever could, where they don't have emotions, where they will listen to you completely, 100%. And he makes a replicant smash glass, take a shard, and slit his own throat, which was just fucking brutal. So... I mean, based off that short film, I mean, that's the gist of it, right? Yeah. So I think um, there, there was a little bit revealed at Comic-Con about okay. the events that happened. So there is a replicant prohibition after Tyrell Corporation. They, they outlaw it entirely mm-hmm. on Earth or, or everywhere. So originally it was they weren't allowed on Earth, but they Correct. could make them. Um, but I think it's prohibition, like not at all. Um. There's something called the blackout. I think that the, basically it's like a almost like a worldwide EMP. And basically an, another thing that a lot of people think we're going to see in 2049 is that there's a lot of history that gets kind of blanked out. I can um, see that. I can see that happening for sure. And then uh, Jared Leto's character basically becomes this huge powerhouse because they come up with some technology. You know, basically it's like some kind of agricultural technology or something and is you know, essentially keeping people alive because that's the only way they can produce enough food for everyone. Right. Um, and they, they touch on that a little bit in the short and that, you know, he says he's like the recluse that they, you know, they, they let him talk and like come in and see them because his technology is what's, you know, keeping the world fed. Right. And they remember being hungry. Um, but he says that, you know, the, the, the future of humankind is in the stars and like that we we can't he basically implies that we can't do it without replicants right um definitely and that you know and he 
you know kind of is like and they're like oh it's you know the 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 subject of ro of uh robot of replicant um same difference prohibition and its repeal is not up for debate <laughs> and uh and he kind of comes back with well we're sitting here debating it <laughs> right um well yeah he's basically he just gave him a, like a big fuck you <laughs> yeah he's he's basically like i've got the power here right um and i think he kind of sees them as an obstacle um and uh and you see yeah you know he shows them it's a replicant because he like looks up into the side and you can see like there's a serial number in his iris which Correct. starts with nx8 which i'm assuming is nexus 8 i can only assume as well um yeah and then he he actually doesn't tell the the replicant to commit suicide he tells it oh that it has to make a choice my life or yours um, basically and he asks him if he understands and he actually you know he makes it he makes the replicant cut cut his their cheek, cheek. and he's mm -hmm. like does it hurt yes yes <laughs> and then he asks him if he understands and he says um you have to make a choice um my life or yours he says do this now and just and everybody's yep. like you know that, like that's the end <laughs> of it because they're just like like this isn't right and yet you know but it's like they're reacting to it and it, this, this is one of the things i'm excited about is i th i feel like they're still kind of keeping the 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 theme of you know what's the definition of life because right. they react to it like it's a person killing themselves yeah i know and yet they don't you know they they outlaw this i know it's so fucking that was brutal when i saw that i was like yep and based off that this might be the first jared leto movie that i'm actually like where i might actually like him as a character yeah yeah because i mean don't get me wrong i i understand uh, Jared Leto and I have not uh, ultimately I have not watched Dallas Buyers Club which he actually won an Oscar for mm -hmm. um, but apparently he was very good in that but I, I every character he plays in any movie I just I don't like yeah I don't I, like it I, I haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club and I haven't seen him in a lot of other stuff but the last time I saw him and really liked the character he played was Requiem for a Dream very true yes um but that's that's been a while um <laughs> on the plus side on this one you know he seems i i don't want to get too far ahead of myself right um we'll, we'll see where the movie goes i i feel like well, we'll see where the other two short films take us too yeah two more waiting for us yeah um but part of it like for me is you know looking at kind of the trailers for blade runner and and kind of what we've seen I almost feel like, and I don't know, are we, are, could we jump into talking about the trailers in 2049? Oh, we totally can. All right. Um, like, part of me almost feels like he's trying to, like, almost, like, hybridize humans and replicants. And that's how he sees the human race surviving. Okay. Um, you know, there, there, there's s some quotes and stuff of his, I think, that kind of allude to that. Um I don't. I don't know what's. It. It seems like they're trying to indicate that there's something special about. Um, oh, what can I think of his name? The. The new oh, Blade Runner. Oh my in this god! One. I know what you're talking about. Uh, Ryan Gosling. Thank you, Jesus. Like he's special so in some way. Um, I think he I might be a replicant. About. That's that's what I'm wondering, or if he's like, because they talk about something like he's. Um, I've got the key, but he's the lock or something. Right. Um, and there's. You know, he he obviously goes 
whoops he obviously goes and uh seeks out harrison ford um mm-hmm. which apparently no one has been able to do ever yeah so yeah he seems like he's you know in some kind of ruin somewhere far away right if you're my dog's barking i apologize they're little assholes all right um but mostly ba- mostly the one your dog's sitting for yeah i know we're not going to talk about that um so anyway when it, and i think with this movie blade runner 2049 that's about to come out um besides the fact that i think ryan gosling could possibly be a, a replicant um just like harrison ford just could like be a harrison replicant. ford could be a replicant um I'm curious as to the drive on which uh, Ryan Gosling seeks out Harrison Ford. Because, I mean, it seems like no one's been able to do this for quite a while. And this takes place, you know, 30 years after the events of, uh, after the original Blade Runner. And I mean, the end of Blade Runner is Harrison Ford and Rachel packing up and leaving, like, Exactly. It's been legit. It's not like they left somewhere in between. They've been no, gone. They've been gone for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering why now are they seeking out Harrison Ford uh, or Rick Deckard? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious as to there was a line said in the trailer said by Jared Leto saying, you know, he can make better replicants, but he like he doesn't have the resources. He for can it. only make so many. He can only make so many. Yeah. So I'm. I'm just curious, what do you think the plot of this movie, just your predictions or expectations, what do you what do you want the plot of this movie to be? Yeah, so plot-wise, you know, from the trailer and stuff, it seems like there's more action than there was in Blade Runner, or at of least they've, they've tried to highlight that. Right. Um, I'm really hoping that they keep the deeper themes. Fair. Um, I'm, I almost feel like, you know, I talked about, like, you know, hybrid of humans and replicants and almost as like a metaphor of like, you know, the mixing of the races or whatever, which, you know, I think sci-fi uses themes like that a lot to, to have a commentary on things that are going on. Right. Um, in, in the real world. Well, um, I mean, Ridley Scott does that with almost everything yeah. he did. Yeah. So I'm wondering if this new director is also going to do that. I mean, even in Alien Covenant, there is a shitload of symbolism. Yep. Uh, you know, um, his most recent uh, movie that just got released. Um, not so much in like his like actiony type movies, like uh, Robin Hood. That was seriously, or I think he just called it Hood. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. There wasn't much symbolism in there. Not too much symbolism in The Martian. Uh, but definitely there was a lot of symbolism in Gladiator, a lot of symbolism in Alien, the original. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, he, he tries to add symbolism wherever he can. Sure. So I'm wondering if this, you know, if him being an executive producer is, is going to translate with an, another director, mm-hmm. adding in a bunch of symbolism. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I definitely agree. There is a lot of symbolism that I would like to see as well. For what yet? I don't know. Yeah. If it's just going to extend based on, uh, you know, what is life. Yep. Um, but, yeah, we'll we'll definitely see. Um, one of the things I, I, def- I definitely want to see, um, I'm a sucker for really good CGI. And based off what I've seen from the trailer, the, the cinematography and the CGI looks fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I'm wondering where this desert wasteland is that Harrison Ford is hiding out in. Sure. <laughs> because, I mean, all we've seen from Blade Runner is, like, these really technologically advanced, like, just cities. Yeah, I mean, the the original yeah. takes place entirely in L.A. Of course. Um, and, and this one does, well, at least in California. Right. I believe, and actually the, the 2039 short that, or 2036 short that came out, um, takes place in LA as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm assuming it's in the Western United States. Right. Um, as well, like before. Um, but I, I, I think it might be, so part of me with, you know, the, where, where's the plot is, um, there was this replicant prohibition. So there was a period of time where there weren't replicants. Right. Um, and according to, you know, the information that they've given out about, you know, some of the key events that happened is there was this prohibition and it was repealed. Right. And, okay. And Wallace starts making replicants again. So I'm assuming, you know, there, at that point there were no blade runners. Right. When there was a yeah. prohibition. So maybe it's, we have no idea how to deal with this problem. And now the replicants are even more advanced than ever. So Ryan Gosling's character seeks out Harrison Ford's character to try to, you know, figure something out related to, you know, being a Blade Runner. Hmm. Interesting. Um, Interesting, indeed. And the, and you had that lost history piece, right? Um. And 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 actually, in in one of the trailers, you hear Harrison Ford talking about you know how he covered his tracks, and he you know he said he purposely scrambled the records and like all the stuff to try to cover his tracks. Right. Yes. So maybe there's some information, something that he knows about replicants that happened in the past. And they okay. need to know that for something that's going on. Is it safe to say that Jared Leto is going to be the bad guy in the movie? See, I want to say yes, but at the same time, <laughs> Jared Leto could be like this like crazy mad scientist, but he also is saving the world by feeding it and might you know be using replicants to preserve the human race. Hmm. But then at the same time, like there's something about uh, you know. I, th I think there's a quote in one of the trailers, if you're listening carefully, about like he, someone saying like he's building an army or something. So right, part of me, part of me wants it to not just be like an action where it's like powerful rich dude starts building an army of robots and taking over the world and having it, you know, really keep that deeper symbolic meaning that you kind of see in in Blade Runner. Because in Blade Runner, you have in the in the original, you know, the replicants are always the bad guys. Mm. But the you know at the end they have this you know Roy has this moment of humanity. Okay. And you realize that you know given the circumstances and the situation he was put in, it kind of makes sense the response that they had. Okay. And and I'm I'm that that's my fear with 2049 is they're not going to keep it that way that it's going to be clear bad guy good guy mm. no um no room for interpretation on like, you know, um, on, on, you know, or, or, or commentary on like morals or, you know, I, I really want it to make me think. Right. Okay. I don't want it to just be an action movie. See, built movies in the universe. nowadays don't do that though. That's the, that, and I get, you know, I get that fear that you have and, but movies this, nowadays, they don't do that. Mm -hmm. I, I don't remember a movie that came out recently that literally made me think. Mm-hmm. At least I, as far as I can remember as of right now, I cannot remember a movie 
that has made me think that came out within the past eight, ten years. Yeah. Um, I just totally, while you were talking, I totally had a flash about how the end of this movie might go. And it, it's probably completely wrong. I have a, so <laughs> what flashed in my head is like, there's a scene at the, there's a scene at the end of the movie where Jared Leto, uh, Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling's characters are all like in a room or something. And, uh, at this point you find out Ryan Gosling's actually a replicant. Jared Leto make, tries to make, uh, Ryan Gosling kill Harrison Ford mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And this is based off nothing. I just want to point this out. But in we obviously seen in the short film where he's like, it's either my life or yours. Choose now. He kills Jared Leto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you knew exactly where that was going. So, uh, like I said, that was based off nothing. But Sounds like wishful thinking. Pat. It does sound like wishful thinking. <laughs> but doesn't that sound like a fucking cool ending? I don't know. That's just me. Um, but... Uh, any other expectations, you know, predictions? What's your excitement level at? Um, you know, when I first heard that they were making a Blade Runner sequel, um, I was like, hmm, that's interesting. I wonder how they're going to do it. Like, how far in the future? Is it immediately afterward? Um, you know, what, 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 what's, what's the point of the movie? Because I think that Blade Runner makes you think. Yes. Um, if you watch it closely. Yeah, if you pay attention and you th- and you think, um, did your girlfriend think? Yeah, we had a discussion about oh, some did of this you? stuff. Yeah, oh nice. yeah, yeah. We we t- we talked about it, but it's one of those like. Why isn't she here then? Just kidding. Uh, I think she's at home making bread. Ooh. She wanted to try making some bread today. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, she's so, oh no, she's making bread. Um, twenty twenty forty nine. You know, I, I'm, I I was very worried that it was never going to live up to the original. And then when I heard the casting of Ryan Gosling and Jared Leto, I was like, really? Um, yeah. But having seen what I have now, I'm, a, I'm more optimistic that it's going to be a, a solid film than when I first heard the announcement. Yeah, kind of um, like my reaction when I heard they were making a Stephen King's It. I, yeah. I knew It. I was like, God damn it. Yeah. But then I, I've actually seen some of the footage. I've seen yep. the trailers, and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess my, my, my biggest fear that remains is just the not, you know, like we were just talking about, not really making somebody, not having that deeper meaning and making people think about it. Right. Because um, that's such a huge and, and really important part of Blade Runner for me. Right. I agree. So that, that's, that's my fear with it. I'm excited about it. Um, I'm I'm definitely gonna go see it. Which oh, of course. Um, I'm kind of a cheapskate and really picky when it comes to movies. Five dollars so, Tuesdays. Yeah, but then you got to deal with people. Well, dude, just go to the theater where you get the loungy chairs. <laughs> it's not that hard. You um, live right down the like not right down the street, but you live like a couple miles from one that has loungy chairs, and you get to pick your seat early. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, stop I, I, whining. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's all good. Um, I totally forgot where we were. <laughs> I, I was. I, I don't go see many movies. I know. Um, I, I'm. I'm. I'm pretty picky in terms of what I see, and especially what the price you pay to go see a movie these days. Um, 
it, it, it's few movies that have me very excited, but this one I, I definitely want to go see. Definitely, definitely. I agree. Um, so does that wrap it up? Does that wrap it up for Blade Runner? I think so. I think we, right. we have to, to make a decision to, to stop before I talk about Blade Runner all day. <laughs> do you want to do a listener mail? A what? A listener mail. Ooh, all right. Yeah, oh, let's do it. Okay. Do you like horror films? I do. Okay. Um, I don't know a ton of them. Okay, so... I mean, I've seen The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't? All right. My girlfriend. That's that's on our list. What? I know, right? You still owe me my Deadpool copy, by the way. Yeah. I was okay. actually going to try to watch it before I came over, but I was like, <laughs> no, Blade Runner's more important. That's fair enough. Uh, well, Justin asked us, uh, he said, hey, guys, what are your favorite B-rated horror films? Mm, so I, since you don't mm, know, let me think about that. I got a lot of answers. This is actually more of like an F-rated horror film, because um, <laughs> it's so fucking bad. There's a film made by two brothers. Um, can't remember their names right now, but it's literally made uh, with. It was made in the '80s, and it's called Splatter Farm. Yeah. So Splatter Farm. Let me just uh, get some uh, uh, information on here. Uh, Splatter Farm was made in 1987. And it has Mark Polonia and John Polonia. Those are the two brothers that created this. So it's about these two brothers that go and stay out at their aunt's house. Their aunt has this crazy nephew who's a serial killer and just so you get an idea of how bad this film is it starts off with this nephew this whatever kid with an axe chopping up a body in air quotes that you can clearly tell is a fucking mannequin and he cuts off the arm of this body takes the arm and again, the fingers are not like limp or anything because it's a fucking mannequin. They're literally straight out. Takes the fingers, puts it into his pants, and he tries to uh, pleasure himself this way. Oh, boy. <laughs> like I said, it's a fucking horrible movie. It is so fucking awful. There, There's only the only way I can the only way you can comprehend how bad it is is by watching it, which I actually have it. Mm -hmm. And if I ever need a laugh, that will always cheer me up. Um, another one is Microwave Massacre, which it sounds exactly like it seems. This guy kills people in this, like, huge industrial size, like, microwave and eats people. And he works at a construction yard and he... Uh, shares his wife who he just cooked and it's so stupid because like the guy he gives them pieces of his wife and they're like oh man this is really good tastes kind of old though this <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid and uh it tastes kind of old he's like oh I'll, I'll make it better so which he then hires a young escort to come over to his house kills her and then eats her. It is so fucking funny. Uh, there's a lot more on my list, but do you do you have one? Yeah. So we, okay. I actually mentioned this to you uh, just 
earlier. Um, there, there's a movie that somebody um, oh yes yes had yes. me watch. It's called Basket Case, um, and it's it's on Netflix for the cheapskates out there like me. Um, it is awful. It was so <laughs> bad that um, I had to to like go back and and watch the rest of it later because I didn't I wasn't able to watch it the all the way through the first time. Um, but like the I I don't even remember the like whole premise but like it's this guy who's you know awful awful actor um in this horribly written movie right um and there's like something in this basket and he like feeds people to it <laughs> and like i, I don't want to give away like what's in the basket but it's what's in the box yeah it, it's like something super demented oh, okay another one of mine and terrible just oh, awful. Oh, I bet. And I wanted to mention um, your your story of the microwave massacre. Yes. Um, just reminds me of a math professor who, back before microwaves were a thing, this is a professor I had in college, there was a microwave trans, like, thing that they had in, like, the basement of the physics building where he was going to school. Okay. And they used to, like, point it at the corner of the room and, like, put sandwiches there and heat them up. And, like, but it was, like, this huge, like, microwave transmitter because they hadn't been, like, scaled down to where you could actually like use one for heating food right so that like they just had like this giant microwave in a room <laughs> that they would use to heat a sandwich and they said they always pointed at like the business school wow when they would do that so that's interesting yeah uh probably killed some people <laughs> i have another one and again all mine are terrible all from the 80s and I swear to god all made with like first generation vhs camcorders um <laughs> They're awful. Uh, another one, Cannibal Campout, came out in 1988. And the premise behind this is that campers are in the woods. And these three, basically hillbillies, for lack of a better word, come by. And they uh, try to eat these guys. Now, the premise behind why these guys are eating them is because the three guys that are uh, eating people, they're brothers. And their mother taught them that meat produced in grocery stores has a bunch of chemicals from the government trying to mind control you. Oh, nice. So, so they only eat all natural, so to speak. Oh, boy. <laughs> and so they kill campers and eat them. I have, to sh I have to show you these trailers for these movies later on because they are all terrible. Awesome. So I'm pretty sure you're going to love it. All right. I think that wraps it up for listener mail. Um, if you have any of your own questions, please feel free to send them to cinema from the dark side at gmail.com. And I do want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, which I forgot to do earlier. Sorry, Matt. Uh, MJDartworks.com. Matt Dawson does awesome work. He's the guy who did our Facebook, SoundCloud and iTunes uh, artwork. And you can see his artwork over at MJDartworks.com. Um, so again, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Cinema from the Dark Side, and we will see you next time. <laughs>